Hey everybody, this is Mike. I just want to give you a little message before the show that we are going on a brief hiatus. We are going to be taking some rest, getting some stuff done around the house. Uh, in one case, moving. Um, we'll be back around Labor Day. So in the meantime, check us out on Facebook. Go back and visit our older shows, either on 40go14.com or out at Podbean. And uh, also check for us on our Discord link, which is in the show notes, to keep up on any new ideas or stuff that's coming up. Now on with the show. Welcome. Earth, along with me. Oh, gnarly. Oh, my God, I shot my eye out. These guys are 11. Hello, everybody, and welcome to 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. And I'm Josh. And uh, this week we're looking at Father of the Bride, which is uh, something that has a little something for everybody to hate. For me, it's a couple of corny family comedies with some unlikable characters. For Mike, it's Facing main characters who are dads trying to deal with their daughters growing up and how, how he's a schlub for thinking about it. And for Patrick, it's Gloria Stefan existing. <laughs> <laughs> Little bit oh, of everything for everyone. I can't control myself any longer. Oh, dear. <laughs> this Do you feel terrifying. the rhythm of the beat getting stronger? <laughs> hey, Please tell me you set that up for me. Yeah, for sure. 100%. Oh, good, yeah. good, good, good. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this is this is some gonna be some interesting conversation on this one. Yeah, uh, you guys uh, may notice that uh, there are only three of us this week. Uh, Joel had to deal with a family emergency, and we expect he will be back for our next episode. Yep. So he's dealing with stuff, and we're talking about father of the brides or fathers of the bride, fathers of the bride. Yeah, I, I would know. say fathers of the bride. Yeah. Hmm. So if you'd like to hear more of us, I'm sorry. If you want to get in touch with us. That's what we're doing now. 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. That's all like, you man, know. I must have blacked out for a little while. We're already done? Well, hey, man, I got, the, I got that espresso machine for Father's Day. And the time I think is I'm moving go- at a totally different <laughs> pace for you. <laughs> I'm going to the future, I think. You're like frying Futurama. Mm-hmm. So, again, 708-669-9727. You can also join our conversation on Discord by jo- clicking the Join Us link in the show notes. Uh, we're Josh was talking about sandwiches this week. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually sampled a sandwich that uh, I uh, saw on TikTok, and it, it was better than you might think. Yeah, I had some interesting ingredients in there. I would not have tried that sandwich. Still, will yeah. not. I do not. It was good. I, I had two before I ran out of avocado. Yeah. You got to send me the, the link to the TikTok so I can put it in the show notes. Will do, so, yeah. Yeah. But uh, we actually have question of the week from listener Karen this week. It's oh. directed at Josh. So uh, since the airing of the International Foods episode, have you tried Vegemite or Marmite yet? If so, what did you think? We're big fans in our house, but I understand why it's not for everyone. I prefer Marmite, but I think the difference is subtle. You know, I haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, it's This is a good question, considering we're just talking about me eating weird food. Mm. Uh, I am headed out probably tomorrow to get more avocados for my weird TikTok sandwich. And I need a few other things anyway. So I may uh, put Marmite on the list because it seems to be like it would be the sort of thing I like. And once I've tried it, uh, I will report back on the show. I have Vegemite in my fridge right now. And? And I like it. It's savory. It's kind of beef broth-ish-ish. That's if that's the best best way to describe it. I'll put a real thin layer of it on um, on toast in the morning with some butter. It's a little funky, like almost a little umami mushroomy kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's got I, that. I think I dig does, it. Does Suzanne come out and say, "Do you speak of my language?" And then you <laughs> smile and make her a Vegemite sandwich? No, that never happens. That is not a thing. Nor do I travel on a trailhead full of zombie. Patrick with his references. Oh, it's <laughs> spicy tonight. Everybody knows your references are off the chain. <laughs> but no, I mean, I like. I actually got my first taste of Vegemite years ago when we hosted an Australian uh, student for a couple days at our house, and she had a little jar with her. Back then, it was more of that, like, you taste it, and you're kind of like, oh, you eat this. <laughs> really? You know, now I kind of dig it. I like it. It's, you know, it's a little twist, a little bit different from the standard putting blueberry jelly on your toast, you know. Consistency of black tar heroin. <laughs> I've heard. But in the meantime, yeah, 
I'm going to go, uh, uh, Josh, grab yourself some Vegemite, and I want to, well, next week we'll compare notes. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe I'll try. I'll, I'll look at whichever I can get at the local store. I'm, I'm sure I can at least get one of them. I don't oh, have I know a lot if, of desire to try either of them. Yeah, if you have a Woodman's near you, I know they have both Vegemite and Marmite. I don't have a Woodman's within 12 miles of me. Oh, okay. So like I think the, the closest one to me is near you. Oh, geez. They're like the Malort of spreadable food. Hmm. I don't know, man. Yeah. Well. I mean, you know, I'll eat peanut butter and mayo, so. And you'll drink I'm, Malort. And I'll drink Malort. <laughs> so, you're probably preaching to the right crowd there. It's <laughs> All right, in the meantime, it is about that time. This week in music, movies, and TV. And sports. Oh, yeah, no Joel. So what did we choose this week? Uh, We went with December 20th, 1991, the release of Father of the Bride. All right. Well, I'll kick us off with music since it looks like movies is pretty short this week. The number one song in the land was Black or White by Michael Jackson. Which we've had this conversation. That is a fantastic song. Yep. Yeah, I know I've told the story about the debut of that video at least twice in this Mm -hmm. weekend. So I think we can move on. Yep. Uh, Louis, or maybe Louis, William Tomlinson, born on December 24th, is an English singer and songwriter. Tomlinson began his career appearing in television dramas before he auditioned on The X Factor in 2010. After being eliminated as a solo performer, he was placed into a group with four other contestants, forming the boy band One Direction, which went on to become one of the best-selling boy bands of all time. Following the group's hiatus in 2016, Tomlinson released Just Hold On as a debut solo single. In 2018, Tomlinson appeared on The X Factor as a judge and a mentor. His debut solo album, Walls, was released in January 2020. I do not know who that person is, but I do know who One Direction is. Yeah, he's he's one of the other guys who, in One Direction. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's their Joey Fatone or whatever. Hmm. Hmm. Also, Jonathan Lindale Kirk was born on December 22nd. He's known professionally as DaBaby, formerly a stage name Baby Jesus. He's an American rapper. After releasing several mixtapes between 2014 and 2018, he rose to mainstream prominence in 2019. His debut studio album, Baby on Baby, peaked at number seven, and his second studio album, Kirk, debuted at number one. His third studio album, Blame It on Baby, became his second consecutive number one album in the United States. I can 100% say I don't know who that is. <laughs> I do know who it is, but I have no opinion on him, negative or positive. That's kind of the same way I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just, yeah yep. he's just one of those rappers. He's just there. Yeah. All right, moving directly on to movies then. The number one movie in the land was Fried Green Tomatoes, starring Julia Roberts, Kathy Bates, and Jessica Tandy. Actually, I don't think Julia Roberts is in there now that I think about it. Yeah. I, I typed that out, and now that I'm looking at it, I'm like, wait, no, that was Mystic Pizza. That Well, who was in? Uh, Mary Stuart Masterson was the lead in Fried You're Green right. Tomatoes. Oh. Damn you, teleprompter. <laughs> yeah. Damn you, <laughs> teleprompter, <laughs> I, I, I looked up what the movie was, and then I typed the cast by, by memory, and I yeah, I screwed that up. Yeah. At least anyway, you admit it. Yeah, I mean, that movie was okay, I guess. Yeah. It, little, it introduced me to actually me. eating fried green tomatoes. That's oh, fair. Well, I obviously knew about that, but yeah. Being down I here, definitely but... prefer fried green tomatoes the food to fried green tomatoes the movie. Yeah, that's easy mm-hmm. to say. Yeah, that's not even close. Fried green tomatoes is the, the baby of the movies. <laughs> <laughs> This week, what happened? Meh. (laughs) Movies released this week included JFK, Bugsy, and the acronym of the week, which is TLBS, which I'm pretty sure stands for that leaky booty sludge. Ew. (laughs) Ew. (laughs) Oh. Oh. That that got a better reaction than I anticipated. (laughs) That's tab 58. No, that is the last Boy Scout. Oh. Which I do think is dirty booty sludge. I was going to say, that that movie is leaky booty sludge. <laughs> All right, so TV. Top shows in the land were a very 90s 60 Minutes, Roseanne, Murphy Brown, and Home Improvement. Yep. Yeah. Guy behind a fence. Also, this week's news coverage was dominated by the dissolution of the Soviet Union into the Commonwealth of Independent States, culminated by the resignation... Wow. Playing Joel today will be Mike. 
were culminated by the resignation of Vladimir Gorbachev. Yeah, that was a hell of a lot going on right there. Right. Mm-hmm. And then on December 14th, Steve Martin kicked off Saturday Night Live by singing Not Gonna Phone It In Tonight. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite intros to Saturday Night Live ever. Oh, S- Steve Martin intros are always the best. Are you familiar with that one, though? Off the top of I, I think I am. I have to dig it up, though. It's in the but uh, also, I was say, on, I'm pretty sure I saw that one. On uh, December 17th, ABC aired the 6,000th episode of One Life to Live. Good wow. God. Isn't that show still running? Yeah. And this was 1991. Yeah. <laughs> they they have to be at like 20, 24,000 somewhere around there by now. They have to be like three, four times a month. That's got to be insane. That's... Yeah, somebody look that up while I'm reading sports. All right, come on. Born Christmas Day, Mahmoud Hussein was a Pakistani cricketer who played in 27 test matches from 1952 to 1962. He was a fast medium bowler who partnered with Fazal Mahmoud after Khan Mohammed retired from test cricket. He made an unforgettable 35 at the Faroja Katla, New Delhi in 1961, which saved Pakistan from certain defeat. And then Hussein died December 14th of this week. I'm assuming. I forgot to write that in there. Didn't too much <laughs> Great research there, Pat. Yeah, yeah. well, you know, I, I, was, I was on top of things today. Firing on all cylinders this week. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there have been 45 seasons of One Life to Live, 11,136 episodes, and oh it was canceled uh, uh, after nearly 43 years on ABC and then picked up by Hulu in 2013. Huh. So how many episodes have there been on Hulu? Is that included in the 11,000? Well, it looked like there was a pause after the relaunch because uh, there was a lawsuit uh, with a- between ABC and the production company. Oh. Huh. Interesting. So, yeah. All right. 2013 revival. That, that's less than I thought. I thought it was going to be a lot more than that. <laughs> yeah, and it looks like it's no longer running except as maybe like a web serial. Hmm. Hmm. All right, moving on in sports then. The Cleveland Cavaliers set an NBA record on December 17th for the largest margin of victory when they routed the Miami Heat 148-80. Good God. (laughs) Said Miami's Glenn Rice after the game, I don't know what we played, but it wasn't basketball. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And lastly, the first player ever signed by the expansion Florida Marlins, pitcher Clemente Nunez Beltre, was signed at the age of 16 out of the Dominican Republic on December 16th. Wow. That's 91, huh? Yep. Oh, wait, there's no keyboard Joel. We're going to be trapped in this weekend forever. (gasps) Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Someone call Joel. Just do the keyboard thing for us. (laughs) Play us off, robot Joel. Insert sound bite. Boy, that Joel. I've seen her. You insert soundbite. <laughs> All right. So we're in 1991. Oh, no. I oh, wish. Yeah. Oh, Pat gets a reset. Yay. Um, George Banks is an ordinary middle class man whose 21 year old daughter, Anne, has decided to marry a man from an upper class family. But George can't think of what a life would be like without her. He becomes slightly insane, but his wife, Nina, tries to make him happy for Anne. When, but when the wedding takes place at their home and a foreign wedding planner takes over the ceremony, George must try to handle the fact that people grow up. Thank you, Mike Ace at AOL.com from not, that Amazon bad, description. Not a bad summation. No. So this is this this is directed by Charles Shire, who has also uh, been the writer. Was he the writer on this also? Yeah, he did the screenplay on this one also. But he's also written um, The Parent Trap, Private Benjamin, and Elfie. So that's cool. On the direction, you know why all his kids are so short? Because they're from the Shire. Wow. Yeah. Hang on. All right, he's muted now. We can continue. But he also did Father of the Bride Part 2 and currently something called The Noel Diary that's in post-production right now. It was written by Francis Goodrich, who is uh, from the original writer, who's also the writer for It's a Wonderful Life, Easter Parade, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, and one of my favorite movies, The Thin Man. So that's the writer of the original 1950s one, or or was there a book? Uh, there was a book, but I think it was written by, I don't know who it was written by. These are screenplay Someone credits. Someone else. 
Yeah. Yeah. No worries. I wasn't throwing to you for random trivia. I, I was just curious because I know you're more into the old movie scene than I, I am. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember. But this this guy, he did another Thin Man uh, with the the Virginian. You know, again, the move, movie called The Hitler Gang pops up again. He had something to do with that. Uh, also. And this, we have Nancy Myers, who was part of the screenplay writing on this and was also part of the Private Benjamin, uh, Something's Gotta Give, It's Complicated, and The Holiday. So that's some solid writing credits there. Yeah, Nancy Myers is very well known for the romantic comedy genre. Right, yeah, which falls right in line with what we got going on here. So we have Steve Martin coming in as George Banks. Now I'm wondering if there's some sort of weird trivia, that because that's the name of the father from Mary Poppins. Or if there's a weird connection there. Yeah, could just be. What's he get? <laughs> also, a Diane Keaton as his wife, Nina Banks. Diane Keaton, you may know her from Something's Gotta Give, going way back to 1977. Annie <laughs> Hall know, with every Nancy Myers movie out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Kimberly Williams Paisley as Annie Banks. Uh, after this, she was Diana in According to Jim, the TV show. And then. She's uh, beautiful. She's mm. very, very attractive. Yeah. And she's still working. Oh, yeah. Looks like she's doing Sister Swap Christmas in the City, Sister Swap, a hometown holiday. Yep, you sound like, uh, what's those? Hallmark movies? Yeah. 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 Looks like, oh, they are literally Lifetime, Hallmark movies. Lifetime. Oh, damn it. Yeah. No, they're. She also did something the called. Lifetime movies are the, are the I Burn My Husband in His Bed. <laughs> yeah. That's like the burning bed type stuff. Yep. And then we have a very young Kyrian Culkin as Maddie Banks. Looking like his brother. Yeah, at him. first I, I was like, is that Macaulay? And I was like, oh, no, it's Kieran. And he's you know, just I, precocious enough. Like, He, he really is more brother. palatable than his brother mm-hmm. as a kid. But you may know him from more, more than likely either Igby Goes Down or uh, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, where he played Wallace Wells. And I know a lot of people are super into succession. It's one of those that's like it's on my list, but finding the time for yet another new series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do not have the time for that. Unless it's for the show, in which case... Right. I don't even have a job and I don't have the time for all this TV. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then going along with that, we have George Newbrin as Brian McKenzie. Uh, Before this, he had done... uh, He was Dan from Adventures in Babysitting. He was the boyfriend in that. That's where we'd seen him before. Oh, yep. Yep. And then after this, he did Timeless Tales from Hallmark, which may be something that you just do. Do a rom-com, then Hallmark picks you up. Also, we have Martin Short as Frank Egelhofer. Just a great role. And very not as over-the-top as a Martin Short character usually is. I think he was actually kind of reserved for this one. I'm not sure reserved is the word I'd use. Well, I I mean... Perfect level of absurd. Well, compare him to, like, when he was in inner space. He wasn't too over-the-top, yeah. Right. And also B.D. Wong with the retroactively poorly named Howard Weinstein. Dude, I'm such a fan of B.D. Wong. Like, he is great in everything he's in. And, like, until Jurassic Park, he didn't really come on my radar. Mm -hmm. But, like, once I realized, oh, that's Dr. Wu from Jurassic Park, I started seeing him everywhere. Well, he is also, later on this year, unless this is already released, Gremlin's Secret of the Mogwai. Uh, He plays Han Wing in... Looks like all ep- all the episodes. So apparently he's a main character in that show too. Yeah, he's done a lot of TV. Very nice. And along with that, we have Peter Michael Getz. It's John McKenzie. Uh, he was also in Jumping Jack Flash and Glory, where he played Francis George Shaw. A lot of stuff there. And Kate McGregor Stewart played his wife, Joanna McKenzie. And she's known for being Miss Lemons in School of Rock and the... Uh, Lady Censor from Scrooged. Remember the one who kept getting hurt? Mm-hmm. Oh, that, I didn't realize yeah. that was her. That's her. Yeah, the Mackenzies, they're, they're like classic character actors. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, that guy and her. Yeah, that girl from The Thing. All right, some tri- trivia on this one. Tom Irish made his film debut in Father of the Bride 1950, and his last film appearance is in this movie. He plays the same character, Ben Banks, in both versions. Very nice. So George Banks says he doesn't want the wedding to bankrupt him, so he'll end up wandering the streets in a bathrobe. This happens to Steve Martin's character, Nevin Johnson, in The Jerk, 1979. So 
Yeah, I caught that. Little throwback there. Among the wedding gifts Annie receives is a Venus de Milo statue with a clock in the stomach. And the original father of the bride, Kay, also receives this as one of her wedding gifts. Both look at it with disdain. Fun when they do little callback moments like that. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's become like a running gag in a lot of movies. Like Venus de Milo with a clock in her stomach is shown up in a lot of the older movies, too. It's just like the worst gift to get type of thing. It's it's like the um, Wilhelm scream of props. Mm -hmm. And then George's middle name, Stanley, is named after Spencer Tracy's character in the original Father of the Bride from 1950. Yeah. And as the black and white movie guy, if you do get a chance, go back and watch that because it's got a... Spencer Tracy in his prime, Joan Bennett as the as his wife, and Elizabeth Taylor in quite possibly her most beautiful. I mean, she was amazing back then. Yeah. But first viewing for any of us? Yes. Really? Wow. Well, actually, no. I don't. You know what? I don't. I don't. I, re- I re- refrain from that because I know your movie taste. This is not something that I think would have ever crossed your path unless somebody really suggested it three times. Right. I mean, I'm rough on comedies and even rougher on family comedies. So Mm -hmm. like I knew that this was something like we've done four shows. And with the exception of last week's Office Space and Severance, I've had four shows. uh, Three of the last four shows have been things I have not been looking forward to. So I went into this not having seen it, uh, not having really wanted to see it, but with an open mind and how I feel about it. Well, we'll get there. Yeah. This is definitely not, I recall seeing this at the theater, but it probably wasn't with, I, my, in my brain, I saw this with Suzanne, but I didn't meet Suzanne for another three years, two years, two and a half years. So I know I saw it with somebody, but I remember seeing it in the theater. And I actually have seen this movie probably a good half dozen times before. Um, I haven't watched it in a while. It's been, you know, well over probably 10 or 15 years I've seen it, but I I used to watch this movie a lot. Um, I actually, believe it or not, I uh, fashioned some of my own wedding after some of the actual wedding in this in this movie. That's how much I liked this movie. You found a Frank Engelhofer? <laughs> we did have a, a an actual wedding there, yeah. Oh. But yeah, the, I mean, we had a big old tent with all the, you know, the, the white lights and the candles and everything, you know, in a backyard, her family backyard, and everything. It was, you know, similar in a lot of ways. You know, Josh, what was your what was your take on this one, being the non-family comedy guy? Yeah, we can get right into it. Yeah. Um, well, it did something impressive. It uh, made me dislike Steve Martin and Martin Short. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, I did not enjoy this. I found uh, almost every character at one point or another intensely unlikable. Uh, probably the only one that I didn't actively dislike, besides maybe the little kid and B.D. Wong's Howard, was uh, Brian. He didn't. He was mildly unoffensive. He was a glass of warm mayonnaise, but he was not not a bad person. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know George Banks. Uh, I, I found him intensely irritating and unlikable, which was a feat considering he's played by Steve Martin. And uh, like when it wasn't people who I dislike so much, I don't want to see them happy doing stuff. It, it turns and you get the like third act turnaround. It, it goes from being very irritating to very sappy. So this was uh, not not my favorite. <laughs> hmm. See, I found this a little charming. But I watched them in the reverse order. I watched the original, the, the remake first, which I think may have had something to do with it. But um, I do agree with you that George in this one is an annoyingly over the top, especially with the whole scene with him in the bathroom, falling off the back patio, falling into the pool with the, their bank book in, you know, in his hand yeah, that, and all that's that sort very, of stuff. Very contrived scene. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And got, I think I laughed once and it wasn't at any of the physical comedy. No, it, I mean, all the physical stuff, I, for Steve Martin and his ability to have a great presence as physical comedy, none of this was laugh-out-loud type stuff. And I agree with you. I don't recall laughing once during this movie. You know, it wasn't really one of those things that I was, like, laughing at all the time. I mean, chuckling at her or even. But um, it's this weird, I think it was a weird transition. After, this is after fatherhood or, par- or parenthood, wasn't it? Or was this before? Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure. They're right around the same time. I know that. Yeah, because there was that that strange time where they were uh, hawking uh, Steve Martin as 
the new family guy, you know, uh, not family, but the new like family entertainment yeah. type guy. And I knew everybody like that knows of any of Steve Martin's old, like 1970s, early 80s stuff. That whole, everybody was like, that don't sound right. That's not the Steve Martin I know. But it was, it was a phase of his career. And it's the reason I t- tend to like him is because I know I don't like this sort of movie. So I don't watch that phase of his career. Got it. Hang on, I'm looking up to see where Father of the Bride shows up on this. Yeah, I'm looking at it too. And I see Cheaper by the Dozen is around okay. this. He did Cheaper by the Dozen too. Yeah. And this is this is right around the same time as LA Story, which I think is actually a pretty good movie. Yeah. Uh and uh Grand Canyon is only a little bit is around the same time as LA Story, and I like Grand Canyon quite a bit. Yeah. Very different. I mean, I, I will tell you this, even though, you know, Steve Martin and Martin Short weren't real on their best form here, you can definitely see how they will get to what they're at right now and uh, only, only murders in the building. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan. I haven't watched much of it, but what I've seen, I like. Yeah, that's good stuff. But but no, I mean, I there was some tugging at the heartstrings stuff for me, you know, like, you know, the girl is as old as my daughter. She's getting married. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now, there was one year at Halloween where she decided that she was going to go as a, um, a ghost bride with like the sugar skull makeup. So we took, went to a secondhand shop and she found a wedding dress to dress up in for Halloween. Mm-hmm. And she puts it on, she comes up, she goes, do you think this will work? And I just walked away. And my, <laughs> Suzanne's <laughs> like, daddy has to go take, yes, I had, he, I'm sure he thinks you look fine. I think it'll work, but no, I really, cause he's going to help me with the makeup. I want to know. I was like, daddy just needs to step away right now. <laughs> he needs to go outside before he has a stroke. Yep. Pretty much. Yeah, and I figured that this would be more both of you guys' thing than mine. I was, uh, like I said, I walked into it with an open mind, hoping I'd be wrong. Unfortunately, it just it didn't hit for me. And my whole thing on it is like I'm I don't necessarily look to this movie for like you know enormous laughs or anything. It's not that's not what it's for. I mean, Steve Martin's one of my favorite comic actors of all time, but that's not why I watch this. That's not why I like this movie. I just I like this movie for the sentimentality of it, for the sappiness, for the it's it's the kind of cheesy that I enjoy. It's not over the top. It's not ridiculously whatever, you know. And there's just a part of me that like wonders like if I had made different decisions in my life if I would have ended up being a George Banks type of character. So, you know, I mean, watching this feels in a way like looking at an alternate, you know, mirror, mirror, not mirror, what's the multiverse version of myself. Sure. Successful or something, you know, and have children like I I used to think I wanted to back in the day. Because that's when I watched it back in the the first time I watched it was when it was new. And that was when I still was young and, you know, thought I was going to actually be that guy. So when I was actually thinking I was I was the Brian McKenzie character. And now I see myself more like as I'm older, I, I have to like put myself in the George Banks shoes. Sure. And it's interesting because I don't want to dunk on this thing for being what it is. I mean, that's not fair. You know that by the end of the film, uh, you're going to have a happy wedding and daddy and daughter are going to be uh, closer than ever. Mm-hmm. And he's going to learn some lessons. Like, you know that before the first scene. It's like, that's what this thing is. I guess usually when I evaluate this sort of thing is like, do I buy it? And do I think that the ending that they're trying to get to from where they start in the beginning, do I believe that was earned? And for me, the, this particular one didn't pass that smell test. Yeah. And it's got some weak points in it. You know, I mean, you know how I hate, you know, stupid forced drama that isn't really drama and the whole scene when, you know, he buys her a blender and she's going to break it off. That's, that's crap. And you know, you know, it's not going to, you know, the wedding's not going to get called off. So that whole scene is, it's a bunch of crap. Well, and there's, some he... scene, there's, some, there's some stuff in here and we go back to, again real quick to the to the whole thing you know our difference in, in movie is i don't have to like you know like the characters love them or whatever they don't have to be good people for me to get a laugh out of them and enjoy watching them and care you know i'm not that i, I don't i don't care that much like you guys do about mm. that kind of thing go ahead mike sorry uh no, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> something, about a... con- something about contrived. Well, oh. you know, just ma- you know, make me laugh, and I'm not going to necessarily care if you're. Yeah, I, yeah and this is this is where I think I was going. Is that you're right? The, there's no contri- There's any sort of conflict that is going to occur in this movie is going to be fixed in the next next 15 minutes anyway. There is no risk that this this wedding is not going to go on. It's cotton candy happy-go-lucky family, you know, making this new persona for Steve Martin as this family 
and just, family this entertainment is, guy. This is not a movie where you're going to watch a family in struggle. This is not that movie. You know, I mean, the big struggle for these guys is, are they going to a Paul Simon concert at the Forum or not? For right. sure. And, and that's why I wanted to qualify anything I had to say about it for, like, I recognize what this is and how it needs to tell a certain sort of story. But like there's, like I said, there's just a few things that didn't work for me. And I thinking back to it, like uh, when I was talking about that, I didn't like, I didn't find the characters likable. Uh, I was talking with uh, my wife, Sarah, about it. And uh, she was like, well, what about Nina? And I was like, okay, if you get to a point where you're playing a scene straight, not for laughs, where you are not going to let your husband out of prison unless he decides to completely change the way he is, your marriage is in trouble. Mm -hmm. That's... Like that is not like a healthy way to deal with uh, someone I, going through a struggle in life change. I get that they were trying to do this, like this is the tough love he needed to hear thing. Yeah, she's well, just I think trying, to, trying to center him because he's not being himself. But that, you've got this crazy unequal power balance in that situation that uh, made me really uncomfortable about. Like, I mean, do Nina's you really character. honestly believe that if he hadn't repeated that she was going to walk away and leave him in jail? Come on, that I mean. But it wasn't played for laughs. I, if if you're playing it seriously, I take the scene seriously. But I'm just saying, like you know, the implication is is not that she's going to leave him there. The implication is just like you know, you need to agree that you're being ridiculous. It's not like she's saying, like, I'm going to let you rot in prison forever if you don't agree to this. It's just, you know, we need to go through these steps before you, you know, you need to get your head on before we. Yeah, you got to get your head straight before you're going to come home. I don't think it was a, a, I think it was played for the exaggeration of it. You know, not as the. Yeah, I didn't see um, anything like like dangerous or malicious or worrisome at all in that. Scene, yeah, it's not like know. she was like, "Yeah, hey, don't drop the soap, honey. I'll see you later." You know. Right. Yeah. Sure. I I don't know that you necessarily have to take the threat of him staying in jail for a long time seriously for it to be a problematic scene, though. And I it just like I said, I had some feelings about it, and it was yeah. the thing that I, I was along with Nina as a character who I could feel good about until that scene. I like. I felt differently sure. after it. Yeah. yeah, I didn't. I didn't see the, that much. That much I into could, it. I could see Suzanne giving that 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 speech to Mike. <laughs> How do you think I identify so much with this movie? <laughs> <Damn it>. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> and that's how Pat died. I had just inhaled, Dick. <laughs> you just inhaled, Dick. Leave that to after the podcast. <laughs> I inhaled, comma, Dick. <laughs> well, good for him. Oh, <laughs> shut up and move along. <laughs> No, I didn't. I mean, I didn't. I didn't see. Or that I'll leave you in jail. <laughs> oh no! It'll <laughs> leave me in podcast jail. Yeah, and like by the end, like obviously, Frank is less annoying and more heartwarming. It's not like the film didn't have any moments, but I don't know. It was very yeah, safe. The good night scene was cute when the two kids are saying good night to each other. Uh huh. Yeah, and you know, some some portions where I really identified with him was like when she's sitting at the table and telling him that he's yeah. she's getting married and she turns into the little girl I met a boy I and met he's a boy. wonderful and I'm, I'm and I'm like and we're getting married we're getting married and I will say this as there there are some I I think he should have had a little bit more um ramping up to this because my girls have they there's like even though we homeschool we had they have homeschool proms and there's all the same bs there's buying the dresses, there's buying the flowers and getting the hair done, finding the shoes and all that other stuff. And at that one point, like the first one, I was kind of like, well, let's not get too crazy here. By the second one, I was like, you know what? I'm here. Here's the card. Go do what you need to do. You know, make, you know, cause I, I did made that mistake of like, well, why don't we, you know, God forbid, you ever want to get a look from your daughter, suggest that we go to a resale shop, go to, let's go to, let's go to Goodwill and see if we can find a prom dress there. And like, <laughs> There was like an open, I mean, I don't know where the record scratch came from, because we don't even own a record player. Suddenly a was... walked in the door just to go, eh. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere that noise came from, it was audible, and it was like, up, oh, you know, like, you're right, I don't know what the hell I'm talking about, I'm, I'll be over here, thank you, do your thing. But yeah, there's definitely some ramp up in having daughters and finally reaching, I think that's what proms are kind of like, the test subject, testing out the waters of that sort of thing, but um but yeah, I mean, it's that's probably the where I got my most enjoyment out of this is the I totally identify with this guy and how he feels about his daughter. Now the whole sneaking around the in-laws' house and that sort of thing that was kind Ripping of ridiculous. The buns out of the package at the store. Yeah, I, that like that scene made absolutely no sense to me. 
that's that's what the thing that got me is like why he, of all things he's going to do and i think what happened is they had the idea for him being in jail and they had to figure out how to get him in jail for something that's so innocuous that exactly. getting that, him out won't be a big deal that's part of the problem with this movie is it's 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 a little too safe like the argument about the blender he gets arrested for tearing buns at the store you know it's like they're not they're not really <laughs> i got well, i got thrown out of the grocery store way, for tearing buns it, once but when you phrase it that way i guess it's a little different but <laughs> that leaky booty sludge <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, but I mean, this this movie takes every safe route it can. I mean, there's no denying that. Mm-hmm. But I accept it for what it is, going into it, knowing what it's going to be, and I don't know. I still enjoy it and I like it. I'm surprised I, by that. I'm hoping that we're gonna eventually like. Yeah, you guys are gonna make me uh, watch a family comedy because, like, I know I suggest shit that you guys don't want to watch, so I, I will watch it without too much complaint. And I'm gonna go into it and I'm gonna end up enjoying it. Like, I don't seem like a chick flick guy, but there are some of those that hit for me just right. And I'm like, you know, this turned out to be great. Uh, yeah, sometimes vacation you get surprised. It's a, a good example. That was that was a well done movie. Mm-hmm. Which, which one? The remake of Vacation. It was very Yeah, funny. it was all right. Yeah. yeah. Well, what do you think? We, uh... Yeah, I mean, the, the remake is brand new, so I think we should probably talk about it. Yeah, we'll be back in a little bit, and Pat's going to get his Gloria Estefan on. Gonna have a conversation about that. That's gonna be fun. So when we come back, we'll turn the beat around. So 2022, they had the idea that they should remake Father of the Bride with a Cuban twist. So father's coming to grips with his daughter's upcoming wedding through the prism of multiple relationships within a big sprawling Cuban American clan. This is on HBO. Directed by Gary Alazaraki. That sounds right. It does. Alazaraki? Alazaraki? Alazaraki. He has directed before this Club de Cuervos and We Are the Nobles. Uh, Club de Cuervos came out in 2015 and was Netflix's first original series that was in Spanish. So that's kind of okay. But outside of that, he's got three things under his director belt. This is written by Matt Lopez, screenplay, uh, who has done, right up your alley, here you go, Josh, Bedtime Stories, The Adam Sandler Thing, Race to Witch Mountain, The Rock Thing, and The Sorcerer's Apprentice, which was, who was in that one? The Sorcerer. The Sorcerer, of course it was. No, the Sorcerer I'm, Thing. Uh, that had Nick Cage and Alfred Molina. Oh, huh. I saw that movie. Yeah. It was it was goofy fun. It was goofy fun. I thought what was I thinking? Oh, I was thinking of the Vampire's Apprentice that had uh what's his name in it? The, um crap from Step Brothers. Oh, John C. Riley. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this is good too. Yeah, I still haven't seen that. It was, it was so. enjoyable. So this is not based off of they've got it based off of the novel who was written which was written by Edward Streeter. That was the name that we're looking for from the last half, who also was the writer of Outside of the original Father of the Bride, the sequel, you're going to like this, Josh, Father's Little Dividend. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he also strange, was the strange title. writer. There was a Father of the Bride TV series from 1961 to 62 also. So that was, they, they milk that for as much as they can. You know, we talk about remakes now. I mean, that was just as bad back then. Yeah, I feel like I'm in hell. <laughs> so this stars Andy Garcia as Billy Herrera. Uh, Gloria Estefan as Ingrid Herrera. And those are the names you know. Moving on, we have Adria Arjona as Sofia Herrera. Uh, She has been in Pacific Rim Uprising and Melissa McCarthy's Life of the Party. Oh, wait. Yeah, Yeah, she was was in a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, True Detective. She was anathema in Good Omens. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I, is, she, is she a name? Is she somebody? Like, okay, I know why you're asking because they did this weird thing where they're only showing her from the back. Yeah. You don't see her face. Like it's going to be this huge reveal when yeah. you see who the actress like, is. Like it's they're setting up for Jennifer Lopez or something, you know? I thought like, that was a weird choice. Yeah, and then when they showed her, I'm like, okay, who the fuck are you? <laughs> it's that girl. <laughs> it's, 
I'm like, like I like her. I don't know who the fuck you are. Like, I mean, just like you're you're a somebody. Like, sure well, I mean, we all saw Good Omens and like Good Omens, and she was good in it. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, it took you t- saying she was in that for me to even remember she was in that. It's not like she totally was, fair. Yeah. You know, well, I, I think mean, maybe they're trying to make her into a thing, like giving these reveals. Like everyone's going, "Ooh, they had this weird reveal. I wonder who she is." Maybe I don't know. I mean, it was it was a very weird choice. Right, and I don't yeah. know why you think that's a good thing to do in a movie anyway. Like, even if she was a huge actress, it's like, that's not germane to the story. Right, mm-hmm. and it's not, and, you know, especially if, if she's already listed in the credits, you're not, like, you're making some big reveal, you know? Yeah, it's like, not, you're not taking Darth Vader's helmet off. <laughs> right. right. That's oh, my God. The time it's, that's the time it's effective, is when you have a big star who's in a cameo. It's not Sean like, Connery at the end of Robin Hood, yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah. That that's a that's a great example right there. An uncredited, you get the voice and then you get the face type of thing. Also, Isabella Merced, 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 Merced. Anyway, she played Dora in Dora the Explorer movie, The Lost oh. City of Gold, okay. which was enter. I watched it. It was entertaining to me. I don't know how you guys would feel because I don't think you guys were have ever been immersed in a Dora the Explorer. Uh, my situation. nephew and uh my older niece were the right age for that so like okay and i thought it was cool that that like i didn't watch that whole movie but they basically took the college humor skit and made it a real movie mm-hmm. practically yeah that's that's basically what they did and it was while not they could i think they they wouldn't have gotten away with it but making it like a full r movie and just going totally over the top would have made it so much better but then you know they wouldn't have got the live action Dora the Explorer type thing. But she also does a lot of voice acting. So she was uh in the nut job two, Nutty by Nature <laughs> as Heather. That uh, and the less we say about that, the better off we all are. So moving on. Uh Diego Boneda as Aiden Castillo. May know him as Drew from Rock of Ages. She, he was also in Scream Queens and uh, he was Diego in Terminator Dark Fate. That we watched for the Terminator show. Mm-hmm. Okay, I can see it now, but yeah, I did not. Yeah, yeah, hmm. yeah. Uh, we also have Ruben Rabasa. Rabasa. Yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of him. I mean, he's he's a character actor. He's one of these okay. guys. Like, if you need an older Cuban or Spanish or Mexican guy, he's your guy. Mm-hmm. He's been going as far back as the Police Academy movies. Yeah, he, he's, he's just he's one of those guys. He's got the face for it. If you're if uh, you're going to be shooting in Miami, he's probably going to be in your movie. Yeah, probably playing, playing dominoes. Yeah, well, he's T.O. Walter. Uh, Anna Fabreja was Vanessa. Uh, she is in Los Spookies, Boy Band, and The Dream. Los Spookies is supposed to be really good. I have not gotten around to watching it, but everything I heard about it when it dropped, uh, anyone who watched it said it was really good. Yeah. What what what's the basis of that? I mean, what's the what's the plot? I was not expecting follow up questions. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll talk about that later then at the Los Spooky Show. Also, Chloe Finman, Feynman, Feynman, Feynman. Yeah, as Natalie Vance, who can chew on tinfoil for all I care. I did not like this character whatsoever. I don't like her much. Period. Like, I don't like much of the, what she does on SNL. I don't really care, think she's that funny. She yeah. was fine in High Fidelity, the remake. But this character was not a good character either. No, this character was written by someone who's 57. uh, And it's like, this is what he thinks that TikTok or Instagram influencers are like. Matt Lopez wrote that? It was just really weird how this character was written with like the most forced OK Boomer I've ever heard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty awful. But moving on, we have Enrique Mercano as Junior. I don't know where else he's been. Marciano? Marciano, yeah. Oh, he was Alejandro in Speed 2, Cruise Control, and Miss Congeniality 2, armed in something. Dangerous. Dangerous, yeah. Oh, uh, he was a series regular on The Blacklist for a while. Is that? It's Julian Gale from The Blacklist. Oh, my God, yes. Okay. Yes. I knew Uh, I recognized him, but uh, until I went to his IMDb page, I wasn't sure from where. Uh, But yeah, yeah, that's, that's him. Blacklist, that's a great show. Slows down Is that a little bit. James Spader one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pedro Deman as Hernan Castillo. He was in Collateral Damage, uh, the Italian Bride TV series, a lot of Spanish 
TV series. So you're going to see that a lot as we get deeper into the cast, where there yeah. are people who are known in the uh, Latino dramas and comedies. That that whole world. Yeah, and then right. I don't know. I'm going to say this. I don't know who Anonymous Badger is on the show notes, but can you move the icon, your your cursor, off the middle? I'm Thank you. About, now uh, I can. Mac- Macarena Achaga, which I couldn't read because the cursor was right over the name, uh, as Julieta Castillo, the new wife. And she has been in, just like Josh said, lots of Spanish TV. Mm-hmm. Um, I found her one of the brightest spots of this entire film, and she got like four minutes total of screen time. Right. And then Laura Herring as Marcelo Castillo was in the 2004 Punisher, Mulholland Drive as Rita. Oh! Love in the Time of Cholera, where she played Sarah. She's also got some NCIS background, Gossip Girl, and The Shield. So there you go. Now, was it regular Gossip Girl or Gossip Girl Acapulco, which was entirely Latino? Uh, Gossip Girl, regular. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say, because Macarena Chaga was, I think, a Gossip Girl Acapulco. Okay. Yeah, no. And then Sean Patrick Dawson as Junior Junior, who I don't recall being in this movie. I don't recall his character at all. Uh, you know, he was in a lot of the scenes. He was like the third guy singing the Cuban national anthem. He was like, when they were talking about a soccer game, he's like one, he's sort of there. He was the driver on right. the way to oh, the wedding. He was the one. Got it. Was, okay. Yeah, he, he DJed at the end the, the, the scene at the wedding. Got it. Yep. So he was like the tag along. Yeah. So. Yeah, he was, he was barely in the movie. Junior's son was his main role. Just be hit me, Junior's son. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we have Ho Kwan Se as Juan, the, the tailor. The tailor, who outside of this uh, was Hadras from Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End. He was also Ho Kwan in Pirates of the Caribbean Dead Man's Chest. Okay. So he's played multiple characters in the same world. So when we go into trivia, when we've got a movie that's a week old, the trivia is usually kind of weak sauce. Yeah, nobody's dug up enough stuff on this one. This will not be an exception. No. Uh, This is the first Warner Brothers film to be released under Warner Discovery, in addition addition to being the first feature, the Warner Discovery. I've got a lot of caffeine going through my (laughs) system right now. I have foregone the beer and I have gone to the caffeine. I should not have bought a 50-pack of espresso pods. Um... The first to feature the Warner Discovery byline. So good for you, Warner Discovery. I don't even know or care what any of that means. Right. Instead of being released in the cinemas, this was released via HBO Max. There you go. And Andy Garcia and Gloria Estefan previously appeared together in For Love or Country, the Arturo Sandoval story from year 2000. And those will, were the three most exciting trivia. Good. God. I will not be convinced that anyone ever thought of releasing this in the cinemas. Mm. I mean, it is definitely a uh, known name. I, I, and I, Andy Garcia is a draw. Like, uh, not I, anymore. I don't, I don't know. I mean, he's uh, like not uh, an A-list actor anymore. But he it wasn't so long he's ago a, he was Terry name, Benedict. He's, he's a name though, but he's cold as shit. Not so long well, ago. That was over 10 years ago. Yeah, damn. I guess it was. <laughs> you know, 10 years is a lifetime in Hollywood. I yeah. wonder if this is if this is the them attempting to... Somebody, somebody somewhere said, hey, what if we made Andy Garcia as charming as Steve Martin? And they tried this and discovered he's not. See, they weren't trying to make the core conflict in this film is not the same conflict oh, no. as you have in the original. Because in the original, it's about dealing with like I can't stop seeing my daughter as a child, and in this he both of his daughters are grown, but there's this there's so much more going on in this movie, and they didn't develop any one plot thread enough i kind of well, feel this was less about like he he can't see his daughter as an adult as in he can't let anybody else be in control but himself right you've got mm-hmm. him struggling with like uh i don't want her to go to mexico because i want don't want her to turn her back on tradition uh i'm a workaholic and i don't want my kids to be spoiled by not like learning to work for anything i'm a workaholic and have lost the love of my wife so now we're in the middle of a divorce in the first five minutes of the movie right which yeah. i i thought was an interesting choice at first 
But we'll get to how that decision came off the rails as well. Yeah. And then there's a whole subplot with his other daughter that seemed like it was in a completely different movie. Well, initially, I thought that first that the younger daughter was the one that was going to be getting married because they started it off with that whole conversation about her not wanting to go to college. Mm -hmm. You know, so then they pulled the bait and switch on that one. I mean, not that I was too attracted to any of it, but I don't know. It it seemed to me like, like you said, they had they wanted to have more drama than the plot could hold. And for that, you've got like, okay, before the three of us rip this apart, like the slowest <laughs> animal on a nature program, <laughs> I want to talk about the things that did work because there were some things that did work for me better than the original. Um, there were some things that did not work even as well as the original, which I didn't like. But uh, I, there were some w- genuinely warm moments. Uh, I really did like the uh, two ex-wives of the well, the ex-wife and the new young wife playing against type for uh, the fiance's uh, billionaire Mexican dad. Oh. Like you've got the girl who's barely older than his son's fiance and the other wife, and they pretend to hate each other. But it turns out that they actually get along super well, collaborate on raising the new kid, and pretend to hate each other to make the guy jealous. And it totally worked for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's cutting six minutes out of the entire film. <laughs> <laughs> I would have loved to have seen more about that relationship. And almost all four minutes of the the, the young wife, yeah. 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 Her, her only other thing is like the one scene after they, they everybody finds out they're getting divorced. You see that brief moment where she goes, does this have shrimp in it? And then they hustle her off. Yeah. <laughs> She's gone for the rest of the yeah. film. The, re- the, rest the, of her character, the rest of her character is she has a shrimp allergy. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> uh, there, I also kind of felt that if you were going to do the hackneyed uh, my big problems are resolved by a couple of conversations. They'd better be some pretty heartrending conversations. And I did feel at least the one at the bachelor party between the uh, fiance and uh, Billy, Andy Garcia's character. Mm-hmm. It was at least a heartwarming conversation, even if it didn't earn the ending for me. That was probably for me the most, I don't say grounded, but like realistic and I'll buy it moments mm-hmm. of the movie. The rest of it was just, you know, the ridiculousness. The The only other time I mean, I did not laugh during this movie, except for one moment where they bring the old band together to play for the wedding at the very end. And he's like, oh, where's everybody else? And the guy's like, they all passed away. Like, and it's okay. even funnier because the band's name is Los Immortales, which right. is the Immortals. Immortals, right. yep. Yeah, there were a couple. It was a good comedic beat that they took. Like they passed away, and they take that comedic beat. They're like, "Hmm." (laughs) Yeah, that was probably the only reason that that I I laughed at this whole thing. I I did I I did laugh when the guy said, "You know, why are you wet?" He's like, "The bridge was out. I swam here." Mm -hmm. I forgot about that. Don't make it about you. Okay, that that uh, okay. I laughed about that one too. There maybe twice now. Um, I didn't not really like outside of um the young girl, the young wife. I don't think I really liked anybody in this movie. Uh, that was the biggest thing it had in common with the original is most of the characters are unlikable. I guess Cora was okay, but like Billy and Ingrid are not likable. Sophia is not likable. Uh, you know, uh, this, the fiance again is fine. I thought Sophia was fine. Uh, Adon, Adon was fine. Uh, he was barely more personality than the original fiance. But he's like, He's like the MacGuffin of the movie. You know, he's you got to have him to keep the wedding going type of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I thought Cora. I mean, at, at one point I was I kind of felt bad for Billy because it seemed like everybody was just like not blaming him, but they got like host, openly hostile, you know, for a guy who's dealing with his daughter getting I mean, outside of this. It was like they ramped up the prison scene by 10 from the first movie. Well, I mean, if not for the fact that you get the grounded scene in the strip club where he's saying, I'm not acting like myself because I'm going through this divorce and couldn't tell anybody. Uh, I otherwise would not have bought that you've got a guy who can behave the way he behaved and he's only now ending his marriage. Also, you don't yell borderline racist shit at a Mexican billionaire in front of his family and not be dead the next day. 
Yeah, that scene probably would have gone completely different if it had been in real life. Yeah, I mean, it's not even like a culture or a race thing. I don't think you get to be that rich and that powerful and not and accept someone speaking to you that way without taking very serious action immediately after. Yeah, that 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 got a little bit over the top, especially when they when they started singing the Cuban national anthem and uh, Adam and all that and it I don't know. I I maybe they wanted to draw that, you know, turn the dial up to 11 for those sort of things, but you're right, very in very briefly like in this movie were decent moments. The conversation at the bachelor party, you know, that was probably should have happened earlier than that. I think it I think putting it that late in the movie almost into the third act was kind of a you know, he should have had that least individual redemption arc with him before that point. But I think they did that one a little bit too late. And then the other thing is, like, I think you were referring to it earlier, Josh, like him and his wife are getting divorced. Mm -hmm. They don't I I, I did not buy the ending one little bit. For sure. Like, you know, mom and dad are going to be together. You know that the daddy and daughter are going to be fine. You even know that the in-laws are going to get along by the end because that's what this is. But Mm -hmm. I talked about the smell test of did it earn it? And oh, my God, did this not? No. Even if I can accept, okay, uh, millionaire uh, Castillo is not that sort of guy. He's not going to, like, have your legs broken. He's not going to storm off in a huff. He's, he's above it all. I do not in any way buy that uh, he's inviting you on fishing trips at the wedding. No, not after all that. Not after all that. There's, no, there's some things you can't take back that even context doesn't solve. And yeah, he said most of them. (laughs) Hey, Pat, come on, jump in the pool, man. I'm just having trouble disagreeing with anything you guys are saying. I mean, really, it just, I don't know. I mean, I think the the best thing this movie did was uh, portray the the Cuban culture. I mean, honestly, that's really what, like, you know, the the social, you know, atmosphere, the old cars, the, you know, the. The, the beach lifestyle, the 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 um um the clothing, everything, you know. I think the two the dozen thing. ants showing up all cooking something for uh, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That so. rang true for me having grown up in a Hispanic neighborhood. It's like all the tias coming out uh on no notice and cooking so much food that nobody could ever eat it. Yep. Yeah, that's real life right there. So that's what I think this movie did better than anything. and it's something that was just, I mean, completely non-essential to the plot because this is a plot about a family. It could be any family. So the fact that it did that the best, I mean, kind of takes away from the rest of the movie in a way because this isn't a movie about Cuban culture at its heart. So it's not supposed to be, at least. It's just supposed to be about any culture. Okay. It's supposed to be about a, a, a father-daughter family relationship. And the fact that the Latino aspect of this movie took more of a focus than almost anything i don't i don't think it's a i don't think it's necessarily a bad move but it doesn't this i think it's another one of those situations that we've talked about in many of our remakes where i think this movie would have been better if it didn't have the father of the bride name on it that could be i mean and honestly it was pretty heavy-handed you want to see something that like showcases a culture that's uh unfamiliar from your own we're we're middle-aged white guys you you want to uh see entertainment that uh presents latin culture i'd say don't watch this watch in the heights hell you don't even have to navigate away from hbo max or hell the the buena vista social club is better than this oh for sure such a great movie for sure now here's another little thing i had i in the very beginning of the movie where they had young billy and young ingrid running around i thought initially that they had done some de-aging on them like done that funky funkiness to them it was not uh anthony ray played young billy as far as i could tell the photographs were actually them and they basically cast actors that sort of looked like their old photographs uh they actually cast uh gloria estefan's daughter as young her clever yeah emily marie estefan was young ingrid so they had the little the little her daughter and the this other guy he's in something called the ballad of a coyote coming up and something called Dark Dark House that looks like something Joel would watch. I'm guessing yeah. Ballad of a Coyote because a coyote is someone that uh, uh, shepherds people across the border. Mm-hmm. More than likely, so, yeah, that's almost certainly where they're going with that. Yeah. So yeah, as far as my um, dislike slash hatred of Gloria Stefan, it's basically 
about her music career. I just I I find her music just shitty and boring. Um, as far as her like acting in this movie, I mean, it was fine. Her character yeah. was was nothing special, so it wasn't like she had any kind of reason to you know stretch her acting chops. So all she had to do was you know either either be sullen or be happy. Those that that's all she ever had to do. Mm-hmm. Right, like you see them as a family in that flashback where uh, it's the storm and you've got uh, them under the blanket, and it's like that's the family I wanted to see the movie about. I didn't want right. to see Cora's uh, design career that's from an entirely different movie. Right. Yeah. Uh, and I, yeah. And I think I think not having Father of the Bride as the title of this movie would have changed, you know, chaos in a Cuban household. I don't even know. Name it something else. And don't pick two when, plots, not five. Well, right. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. It's like you you come in. If somebody says, oh, there's Father of the Bride, you have Spencer Tracy and you've got Steve Martin in your head. This is what I'm coming to see. This is not what they delivered. You know, this was a, a you know, a character development for... um for Billy. Yeah, I mean it was it was definitely wasn't... a good story for Billy as far as like a character arc, but as far as like a this is a comedic rom-com type of like, you know, farce whatever, the, Billy was not that at all. I mean, and that's why I say like I think this would have been better served not as Father of the Bride. Well, and I'm interested in what they attempted and failed to do you take a familiar story that's been told twice with white dudes and see okay let's take this story and see what happens if you do a cultural shift away from a culture i'm familiar with the problem is is it wasn't done well yeah exactly i don't have a problem Mm. that they wanted to change the paradigm or that they wanted to change the nationality or anything i just i have a problem with you did it in a non-interesting way Mm -hmm. Like, like like it doesn't matter that they're cuban because the story isn't interesting and uh, Natalie and her assistant were uh, shallow stereotypes mm-hmm. uh, written by someone who does not understand actual youth culture and also seemed like they were imported from a completely different movie. I don't know. Like, I think if they could have focused just on the relationship between the father, his one daughter, and narrowed it down to, okay, this is the, I'm afraid that my daughter's going to lose contact with her tradition, like so many young people do, and uh, because I'm bullheaded and didn't talk to her, I don't understand that her new husband isn't taking her to his country. She's taking him to his country. You've got a good movie, but they put all these other plot threads in that muddied the water so much. And it's always a it's always a weak part of writing any kind of anything if your main conflict can be resolved in five minutes if they just talk to each other. For sure, that's, that's just lazy writing. If, if 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 like if your major conflict could be solved with a two minute conversation, you need to you need to come up with a new new plot. And it's not as though this didn't keep happening to Billy over and over again. Uh, he is it's displayed that if you'd taken two seconds, ask some questions and listen to your family, you don't end up looking like a total fucking tool. Because her line in the car when she says to him, all you got to do is, you know, say hi to everybody and then ignore me for the rest of the party and everybody will think everything's normal. That cannot have been the first time that she has complained about that. But why no. is that the only time it ever sunk in? And he didn't even do that. <laughs> right. And he still ignored that advice. Yeah. Or, or not ignored it, but failed to failed to use it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's a, maybe a couple of different alternate take interesting movies. Father of the Bride, but the parents are getting a divorce. That's one interesting movie. Father of the Bride, but cultural conflict. That's a different interesting movie. But I don't know. There's just so much going on that was half baked, and in the end, it just came out this convoluted mess of nothing. Well, you know what would they... have been a better a better use of the daughter, honestly. Is if they had done this and, and made both both daughters getting married at the same time, that could have been interesting. Watch the father, you know that that could have been the twist you do for this movie, and watch him really freaking out about about the the cost and you know losing both daughters and everything. They also yeah. seem to want to suggest Cora was lesbian, but not uh, commit yes. to it. Yes, the dancing with the girl at the party, the you know supporting the girl who wanted to wear pants, all that. Yeah, exactly. They, it's like they were dancing around it without wanting to commit to it. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And if you're going to introduce that, introduce it. Don't don't be coy. Yeah. So many bad decisions. Wanted, yeah. There's one other thing I really want to touch on. I can't remember what it was now. Ah, uh, shoot. Yeah. Because somebody said something earlier and it sparked something's gone. Oh well. Yeah. 
So it's a go. hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so uh, there's our opinions on the remake or the remake of the remake. I kind of think we're two thumbs up, thumbs down, aren't we? Yeah, I think we are. So, Patrick. Uh, pretty obvious thumbs up for the original and yeah, thumbs down for this one. I mean, it, it I mean, mo- I mostly just kind of nothinged it, but it just, it was so muddled and it could have been so much better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shore down on the plot lines. I'm, I'm with you on this one. I'll give a thumbs up to the first one as corny as it was and definitely a thumb down to the new one. I just remembered what it was. <gasps> go yeah. for it before we go to my totally shocking evaluation. <laughs> you know, you know, why did they bother? I hated that they bothered going through and putting it even in the. Why did you write it and film it? The whole line where the woman is going, oh, there's not enough time to design a dress, so we need to get something off the rack and fit it. And then you, purp- you purposely just set that up just to go five minutes later. I'm going to have you design my dress. I saw it. The moment that woman said that line, I was like, well, she's going to have her sister design the dress now. Like mm-hmm. that whole scene, I'm like, I know exactly what we're building up to, and it made that whole wedding dress try on scene so useless and stupid. And I'm like, why did you write that one stupid line for that? That was moment? eight minutes of our life that we could have gotten back from this mo- movie if she just well, said, just, "I want my, I want my sister to do the yeah, dresses." Exactly. They didn't even need to go over there to that to that shot. It just could have been from the beginning when she said, "I have an important question to ask you. Will you be my maid of honor, and will you design our dresses?" Now we don't need that whole fucking scene where with the whole you lost your commission. Yeah, yeah, that, like that, yeah. yeah that, that whole scene was shit. Agreed. <laughs> yes. On the subject of shit, pretty obvious. My uh, uh, evaluation of both movies were going two thumbs down. Mm. Disappointed yeah. but on the first one, but I, I can't say I didn't see that coming. Yeah. I, and that's the thing is we've had three out of the last four weeks were shows that I had never seen any of it and was not looking forward to it. And we're still at two for three that I ended up enjoying. It can't all be winners. Hey, I'm I'm grateful that you enjoyed two of the black and white movies that I liked. You know, the old so, school movies. So. If you have your thoughts on uh, Father of the Bride or other famous uh, kind of family comedies, let us know. Give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Yep. And if you're looking for our back catalog of shows, you can find them on Podbean or Pandora, Apple, Google, or Amazon Podcasts, where you can give us a thumbs up. Give us a review. If you enjoy the show, share it with a friend. Spread so, the word. So, Joel, what do we got coming up next week? Oh, no, we can't escape the show. We're oh. going to Father of the Bride forever. It's going to be exactly oh. like the remake. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, what, what, like, what, we forgot to mention some, so what are we discussing coming up? I think it's uh, House Party. Yeah, we got, to, well, House Party is going to be the end of July. So we got about oh, a month okay. for House Party. I know we're going to go back to classic sci-fi with The Day the Earth Stood Still. We're talking about looking at Firestarter. That's probably coming up pretty soon. We're finally going to get around to evaluating Ghost in the Shell. It's been a while since we've visited the anime world. Mm-hmm. Uh, also in that same world, we got Alita Battle Angel. Uh, and we've also got Valley Girl and the Man Who Fell to Earth, as well as maybe a few surprises coming. And if any of you guys out there have any uh, non-movie, TV show, whatever topics, you know, fun, like food-based memory type shows, throw them our, throw them our way. Yeah. We always yeah, we've, like done suggestions. A, we've done a lot of those, but uh, they're always fun for us. And if there's something you'd like to find out about, this has changed for us from when we were kids to now. God, we love doing those and we are running out of topics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And get on our Discord. Get on the chat with us. We talk about this stuff all the time. So in the meantime... Thank you for listening, and we will be back next week. Have to pay twice as much. So you have a house that has a room that has a case that has a case that has your headphones in it. Right. <laughs> and it has a clip. I like the clip. <laughs> it's got a clip. So the case is for the room. I came back late. I'm, uh... <laughs> no, I got he a had, case. He has he has a case for his head for his headphones and a case for the case for his headphones.